Wolves fans, a new era is here, and perhaps the area has never seen more Wolves hysteria. With that, new voices have been called to break it down. The poet coach and the cool crooner sound bring you X's and O's and insight with soul. Wolves talk for now and later with flavor that lasts. Welcome party people to the coach and the crooner, Timberwolves podcast. Somewhere around the age of in between, I say, 78, 79 and early 80s, Steve Kerr is definitely going to be invited to the Anthony Edwards Hall of Fame, first ballot Hall of Fame induction ceremony. (laughs) He is going to be in attendance. And... Wait, no matter. Oh, at the, his age of 78. Yeah, okay. Steve Kerr will be that age. Yes. Okay. I'm listening. I'm here. You know, after Edwards has his, you know, I figure, you know, Steve Kerr, I think is, uh, I think he's 57 right now, something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, and Edwards is 22. So I figure, you know, let's say Edwards plays 15 more years, Mm -hmm. right? That would have him retiring at 37. Mm -hmm. You know, and if he's still playing past 37, which isn't impossible because, you know, with today's health and fitness technology, you know, LeBron could play to 50 the way he's going. And don't forget load management. Well, yeah, right. Well, you know, Edwards doesn't believe in load management, but – you know, it's funny when he said that at the All-Star game, I'm sure all the OGs of the league was like, well, of course you don't. You're 21. <laughs> Talk that shit when you're 35. <laughs> no 21-year-old should believe in load management. <laughs> but, uh, yes, yeah, so I figure, you know, Steve Kerr, 15 years from now, will be, you know, 72. And then I think you got to be retired for five years. And, you know, Anthony Edwards is well on his way to a first ballot Hall of Fame career the way things are going, barring, you know, injury or anything horrible, which we're not even going to put into the atmosphere, to the universe. We're just going to snatch that back. The young brother's going to have a long, healthy and fruitful career. Steve Kerr is going to live a long, healthy and fruitful life. And uh so I figure, you know, somewhere in the late 70s when Anthony Edwards is at the podium and he's talking about people who had some of the biggest influences on the trajectory of his NBA career, Steve Kerr is going to be in that number. And I'll tell you and the listeners why. And then we'll get to this past weekend and really this past, uh, this entire five game stretch of exhibition games for the United States men's national basketball team. If you recall during his workouts, pre-draft workouts. Anthony Edwards has mentioned on more than one occasion how his workout with Golden State, it was Steve Kerr that basically said, if you want to really be what you say you want to be in this league, you're going to have to work a lot harder than you are working when Edwards was kind of coasting through a drill in which at the time the young 18-year-old thought he was working hard. Um, and Steve Kerr basically put him on notice. Um, when they started the scrimmages against the, uh, U.S. Select, uh, scrimmage squad, 
it was noted uh, that Steve Kerr this summer did not start Anthony Edwards in the starting lineup in the first scrimmages in which the uh, select squad apparently put the business on the main squad and a couple of scrimmages. There's a reason why Steve Kerr has four championships as a coach and I believe uh, four more as a player, something like that. Mm-hmm. He know what he's doing. And as a coach, because, oh, by the way, listeners, you are tuned in to the Coach and the Culture podcast. I am Coach Frank Centuali in the building. We got the super producer, Lloyd L. Coop, Deuce Coop, in the building, making sure it all sounds good. And that's why we talking coach talk to start off this podcast. And that's why I'm saying that Coach Kerr, the multiple NBA championship coach and former player is going to be there when Anthony Edwards gives his Hall of Fame induction speech. Kerr knew what he was doing when he didn't start Anthony Edwards in that first couple scrimmages. And he might have even been taking a page out of Chuck Daly, as we very well know. It's been reported and been in documentaries how Chuck Daly through the first scrimmage that the dream team with magic and Michael and Larry and David and Charles and the list go Carl and Stockton. And the list goes on and on. The original dream team got waxed by a bunch of college kids in that first scrimmage with Michael Jordan sitting on the sidelines, watching most of it. Uh, Steve Kerr might've known exactly what he was doing and it served probably two purposes. One is the challenge to Anthony Edwards. Nothing is given. Everything is earned. When you are playing with a team of guys who consider themselves to be the man, or in the case of Portis and Cam Johnson, super role players, you can't just walk like you carrying the big stick. You can't talk like you carrying the big stick. You can't just show up come game time like you're carrying the big stick. You have to practice every moment of every practice with the intent and the purpose of letting it be known that you got the loudest bark and the most vicious bite in the kennel. So it would not surprise me at all as I get into my coach mind if Steve Kerr was let these players see what it looked like without Anthony Edwards and let Anthony Edwards understand. Let me light a fire under him right now that if you want to be the man, you can't thank you the man. You have to be the man on the court, every drill, every scrimmage, every moment, every practice. You got to bring it if you're going to lead a team full of alphas. He inserts Anthony Edwards into the starting lineup in the next scrimmage. They lose to the JV squad no more. Right? So then they play their first couple exhibition games. Who leads them in scoring? In a couple blowouts, Anthony Edwards. Modest 15 points a game, if I recall the very first exhibition game that they played. 
He did a lot of passing early. He was very passive. I think he had a big quarter for the most of his 15 points. Pretty passive. Second game, blowout, 15 points. The Spain game. Anthony Edwards did not shoot well. Did not particularly, when I say did not shoot well, it's relative because he didn't shoot horrible. But I wasn't happy necessarily with his shot selection. He had four points going into the fourth quarter of a game that was, you know, could go either way. He ends up with seven points down the stretch of that game, including some really great defense. USA pulls away, beats Spain. Jalen Brunson has a big game, scores 21, leads the team in scoring or 22, something like that. But most of that damage was done early. Fourth quarter down the stretch, it was all ant. Okay. Got your closing shoes on. Comes back. They're in, they're in the desert, right? The United Arab Emirates, <laughs> right? First game. What does Edwards do against the uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo's Greek team? <laughs> the Greek freak. He puts up 21 and three quarters. People talk about it, you know, he led the team in scoring again with 21, but I don't know how many people realize he didn't even play the fourth quarter. Mm. So 21 and three quarters. Mm. And then we get to the shot fired and heard around the world. The one that put the whole world on notice. And Anthony Edwards goes out there. And he keeps the team within striking distance through three quarters. Because, bruh, there was a lot of players that could not hit the broad side of a barn for a good portion of that game. Missing open shots. Poor Brandon Ingram couldn't buy a bucket. Mm. There was a lot of open shots that that, that were missed. Um, shots that guys, you know, normally make, right? So it was just one of them games where guys were struggling, and that happens. You're on a vacation tour. It's the last game before you get the games get serious for real. Who knows if guys was out kicking it? You know, who knows what type of preparation and mood guys were put in? You know, not everybody's Michael Jordan. Not everybody can go play 54 holes of golf on two and a half hours of sleep and go out and drop 35. You know, <laughs> Michael Jordan was a freak of humanity, you know. <laughs> Magic and Charles talking about, man, we can't hang with you. Some of us need sleep before we play basketball, you know? So who knows what those guys were over there doing? And, and, and uh, but you could tell that it, it, it was listless and Ant was keeping them in the game. And, you know, and then Tyrese Halliburton caught fire, you know, Austin Reeves hit a big three uh, and all of a sudden the team's got life. And sometimes you just need that. You need one guy to just keep you afloat. If you want to call being down 16 in the third quarter afloat, you know, into the NBA guys, you know, they, uh, a eight, uh, a eight bucket run is nothing to NBA players. They see it all the time, you know? And, uh, so they finally made their run and they got it close. Um, Germany didn't back down mm-hmm. and Anthony Edwards finished what he started and, uh, 12 in the fourth quarter and, you know, every podcast is talking about it, so I don't want to get too much into absolutely, yes, he did it from all over the floor. Absolutely, yes, he took some shots that outside of the playoffs last year, 
um, were shots that we knew was coming in the development of this kid, but he hadn't gotten consistent with it and hadn't gone to it. I'm talking about the baseline turnaround fadeaways. I'm talking about the mid post game and and the back down game talking about the pull up mid range game. Um, you know, so yeah, he showed some things that you saw in the Denver series, but has been fairly inconsistent in the early part of his career. But these are the things that come along as you develop your game, right? So every podcast outlet is talking about that. But I was impressed with the fact that he had that Mamba-like, that Kobe-like killer instinct. Um yeah. And, and after the game, you know, in the athletics, Steve Kerr's quoted as saying, you know, he's the guy. And again, Steve Kerr know what he's doing. Cause as a coach, when he goes public and says that, what he's really saying is you can have an off game, but when you're the guy, you can't have a bad game. You can have an off game. But you can't have a bad game. You can have an off practice, but you can't have a bad practice. Steve Kerr is imprinting that Michael Jordan, that Kobe Bryant, that Tim Duncan into Anthony Edwards. That, okay, yeah, you got a few all-stars on this team, some young up-and-comers, guys that have been the guy all their life, and now everybody knows. You showed the whole world. You the man, mm-hmm. but you can't just be the man today. You can't just be the man because we got to play for the real stakes now. So you got to be the man every practice for the next week. You got to be the man from the first preliminary game all the way through the world championship run. And that doesn't mean scoring 34 every game. Yes, five rings as a player, Steve Kerr, four rings as a coach. So he got nine rings. You think, and and he's got nine rings as a role player, right? So you think he knows what he's doing when he's coaching greatness. He's in coach Steph Curry. He played with Michael Jordan, played with Tim Duncan, right? So what he said, when you come publicly on a team full of all-stars, after a game in which Anthony Edwards, to quote Denzel Washington, and remember the Titans left, no doubt. (laughs) right (laughs) Steve Kerr says well he he felt he was the man he knew he was the man we knew he's the man now the players know he's the man now the whole world know he's the man let's face it Germany knew he was the man because Germany actually treated him the way that most NBA teams treated him when Cat was out which was, we can't do nothing with him, so we're just going to double-team him and force him to give the ball up. And from a coach's standpoint, again, what Anthony Edwards did is the next level. And I've said this for a couple of years now, and I said this when um, people when people were, and, and somebody earlier on Twitter, or on Facebook, uh, just yesterday was talking about how, you know, and this person I don't think has 
a lot of back, basketball background, but he talked about how Anthony Edwards, they need to trade Cat and, and Rudy's in the way because Anthony Edwards said in the, early in the season that, you know, he doesn't necessarily like playing with all the bigs on the floor because his space is crowded and yada, yada, yada. And if you listen to this podcast, what did I say back then? It is on Anthony Edwards to learn how to play a five-on-five game and learn how to navigate within the personnel that he has. You can't just trade everybody to make Anthony Edwards happy because then, yeah, he'll go out and score 40 points and and put up big numbers, but will you win a championship, um, i.e. see James Harden career, if you want an example of what I'm talking about? And I said, you can't tell me, you can't make Michael Jordan comparisons about Anthony Edwards and then tell me that he, we need to trade our bigs so that we can build a team around Anthony Edwards strengths because Michael Jordan averaged 37 points a game in a three out two in era with bigs that didn't shoot the ball past 16 feet from the basket. So Anthony Edwards has to learn how to dominate the game with in the case of Cat, you got a, you know, historically good shooting power forward from anywhere from 27 to 30 feet. So you don't have what Michael Jordan had. Michael Jordan had Horace Grant. He was going to make a free throw line jump shot. That's the furthest he was going to shoot from. Maybe the top of the key at the end of the shot clock. And then he had Bill Cartwright and Will Perdue and Bill Winnington and, and Luke Longley and everybody else all up in the paint. <laughs> And then teams packing the paint. And he didn't play in a three-point happy era. So what did Michael Jordan learn how to do? And it's why we say to people, Michael Jordan, in a lot of ways, was easier to play with than LeBron James. And people say, oh, LeBron passes and yada, yada, yada. I said, LeBron will pound the hell out the ball and then pass it to you as a hand grenade with three seconds left on the shot clock, and you better make that shot. With Michael Jordan, you always knew, for the most part, He was going to attack you in the beginning of the possession in the open court, or he was going to attack you at the end of the possession because he was going to be the ISO player at the end of the shot clock. If he was shooting in between that first five seconds of the shot clock and last five seconds of the shot clock, it came out of the flow of the triangle offense and everybody got to touch the ball, even if they didn't get to shoot. They got to pass and cut, set a screen, pass, swing it. They got to touch it. And as a player, you don't need to shoot all the time to feel engaged in the game, but you do need to touch it. You know, and that's what the Timberwolves will learn with Rudy. If you want to keep Rudy happy, you don't have to feed him to go one-on-one in the post. Just let him touch it, make a pass, and go set a screen, as long as he get to feel the leather. Right? And what you saw... When Germany started to try to trap Anthony Edwards, when they tried to load up on him. So if they ran a screen at him, they they trapped him and got the ball out of his hands. So if you watched it toward the end of the game, he started waving away the screen. And he was shooting early in the shot clock or he was bringing the ball up in transition, making sure the screen didn't come. And he went to something that Michael did, that Kobe did, that the great guards have done. And he went to the back down game in the mid post. He went to the back down game to take a smaller guard, which everybody's going to be a smaller guard than him. And he went to the fadeaway, especially on that, on that left block. And the reason why it's so um, significant on the left block 
is because you don't want him getting into your paint. You don't want him getting into the middle. So as long as I'm backing you down left block and I'm looking over my left shoulder and all the help's going to come from the middle, then when I spin baseline, then it's just athleticism and skill and there's nothing you can do, including the one where Dennis Schroeder anticipated it, timed it, jumped with it, and he moved it out the way for him with a little hang time. Let me move it over here. Okay, you come down now. Okay, now I'm going to go ahead and stroke this, right? That's just too good, too big, too strong, jump too high, too good, too much touch. But he's figuring out how to put himself in a position where they can't take the ball out of his hands. And he's figuring out how to put himself in a position where you can play with big guys on the floor. If you're attacking early. And then of course, when you get into the NBA season, a lot of times he's going to have the ball in his hands late shot clock. That's how you do it. That's the, that's the blueprint. That's the MJ blueprint, right? And that's how you keep your teammates happy and you still do your thing and dominate the game. That's different than James Harden. That's why James Harden haven't seen the NBA finals. You know what I'm saying? But when you're that guy, you attack early, attack late, everything in between, you play with your guys, everybody's happy, right? So Steve Kerr comes out and he basically says Anthony Edwards is the man on this team. And, you know, the basketball world's like, yeah, he the man, <laughs> you know? And, uh, and, and I'm sure his teammates recognize, yeah, he the man. But what Steve Kerr's really saying is, okay, you're the guy. To whom much is given, much is expected. And we know Anthony Edwards can carry it on his shoulders, but he still just turned 22. And what's his number one Achilles right now? Inconsistency and focus from when the moment's not the big moments, right? When it's not the big game, the big moments, right? Over the course of an 82-game season. So what Steve Kerr is really saying is, you have to be the guy every day. Shots are fickle. Nobody has an on day every time they step on the floor. You know, Steph Curry's the greatest shooter in the world, and he's thrown some five for 17s in, some one for 10 from three games in there. Mm-hmm. You can have an off game, but what Steve Kerr is saying is when you're the guy, you can't have a bad game. And there's a difference. Coaches have no problem when you play defense, you rebound the ball, you're, you're engaged, you're leading your teammates and shots just aren't falling. Coaches have no problem at the end of a game going to the press conference and saying, well, no, we think you played bad. I mean, the shot wasn't falling, but they didn't play bad. What you can't have when you're the guy is you can't have bad games. And, um, Steve Kerr, is just like he did during Ant's pre-draft workouts, developing that superstar that is Anthony Edwards and publicly saying he's our guy, just as much as that was a statement to the media and a statement to the team, to the rest of the players, which – Again, leave no doubt. There's no doubt after that game who the guy is. That doesn't mean he got to be the leading scorer every game. Right. 
That doesn't mean he has to go out and score 30 every game. That's the type, you know, when you have a U.S. national team with that type of talent and those type of players, it's probably going to be somebody different, you know, more, more nights than not. But you can't have a bad game. You got, you can't have a bad practice. You can't come to practice and you ain't feeling it that day. You got to be the, if you're the guy, you got to be the guy. And, you know, from all reports, he's been the guy in the practices and, you know, in the socialization, you know, the social hanging out of the players as they build camaraderie and come together. But I think it goes back to that first scrimmage when he didn't start him. And that's what Steve Kerr's way of this is what the team looks like. You know, let the guy see what you look like without him, but also in order for you to earn that respect so that when you do get in the starting lineup, there's no questions. We're not going to be juggling the starting lineup for this whole run. We're going to develop roles. If you want the role as the guy, then you got to go show that you're the guy. He did that. And and then he went and did it on the big stage, <laughs> you know, and got the whole NBA world talking about him. And, and, uh, so kudos to Steve Kerr. Um, he's, he's, uh, making Chris Finch's job a hell of a lot easier. Um, and, you know, again, this is the coach in the culture podcast. And so the angle that I'm always going to come from is evaluating how the coach is looking at what's going on because all the other podcasts are going to be talking about Anthony Edwards performance. But what I'm focused on is how Steve Kerr is manipulating and navigating um, Anthony Edwards' um, focus and also his place on the hierarchy and how he's making Anthony Edwards that much more. I mean, Steve Kerr might be regretting this come uh, the uh, in-season tournament time when when the Wolves and Golden State go at it. <laughs> he might be like, oh, shit, I created a monster. But and we already know the monster was already, you know what I'm saying, the, the, the energy monster was already growing, you know, to go back to my old cartoon days, you know, the, the energy monster, they just kept throwing superpowers at it. And the more they threw at it, the bigger it got, right? Uh, you know, um, so... But I think Steve Kerr just threw a whole electric power plant at the energy monster when he, uh, when he came out and said, yeah, he's our guy. And that means closed circuit to Anthony Edwards. That means you got to be the guy every day. And, and that's how you lead by example when guys look up to you. Um, and, and also let's, let's be honest. He is one of the best one on one players in the world right now including the guys that are not playing that are in the NBA, the LeBrons and the KDs and the, and the Anthony Davises in the world, Anthony Edwards as a one-on-one basketball player does not have to take a backseat to anybody. He's one of the best one-on-one players in the world. He still has some things he has to improve upon. In my opinion, when it comes to um, engaging himself in parts of the game that don't involve him having the ball or guarding the ball, um, in terms of timing on when to cut, cutting more often, being a more willing cutter, being a little bit more active in his kind of uh, movement when he's playing defense away from the ball. Um, and you can tell when he's challenged. And if you watch these games a couple times, um, you'll see, I think there was a play where Mikhail Bridges drove baseline 
and picked up a foul when he drove baseline. But as soon as, you know, while the refs were getting, I think it was a, a, um, a dead ball foul out of bounds. But before they brought the ball in, he went and talked to Anthony Edwards. And from watching the basketball conversation, Edwards was on the opposite wing. And Bridges was explaining to him that, you know, cut when I drive baseline like that, you got to dive down because when your guy sinks in, you got to create that opening, you know, so little stuff like that, that these guys that in my opinion had more team responsibility in their college playing days, you know, Mikel Bridges playing um, with Jay Wright and Villanova, Jalen Brunson playing with Jay Wright and Villanova, winning national championships at college, being a part of really successful college teams. Those are things you learn when you're on a, you know, college team with a whole lot of talent around you and you have a really uh successful college coach, which isn't to say that Tom Cream, who was the coach at Georgia, who also coached Dwayne Wade, isn't a good coach. He just didn't have the type of talent um on his team that Jay Wright had. And, um, you know, so you can see those guys. Um, and that's going to be also another one of the benefits of Anthony Edwards playing on this team is that you could see in different instances on both ends of the floor, those guys, I don't want to say coaching him up, but just giving him some things to see and think about, um, from the way they know how to play the, the big picture game, the five on five game, which has always been my thing. You know, and I love Anthony Edwards as a player. We all see what he is, but he has room to grow. He's only 22 years old. He had one year in college in which he didn't have a lot around him, you know, so he had to, he's always been the man to the point where it's kind of like give Ant the ball and everybody else get the hell out the way. You know, that doesn't get you championships at the NBA level. And so one of the things that is going to be beautiful for him is that he's playing with guys that have really high five on five IQ. Right. And, and so, um, and that's an area he can really grow in. And, uh, and, but when it comes to one-on-one, when it comes to isolation basketball, he's one of the best in the world. And in this format, when you have, you know, when you have four other guys on the floor with you that can shoot it from any space on the floor with confidence and, um, the other team can't really sag off of or slough off of anybody. That is a situation that is tailor made for Anthony Edwards because you can load up on him if you want to, but if you load up on him, the ball's going to swing to Jalen Brunson and then it's going to swing from Jalen Brunson to Mikael Bridges. And then, you know, if he doesn't shoot, it might end up in the hand of Jaron Jackson or, you know, or Brandon Ingram, like, you know, it's not going to end up in the hands of, you know, uh, NBA role players going to end up in the hands of another NBA star. So this is the type of environment where his ability to play one-on-one really comes through because you can't really load up on him and much to his credit and to the respect of him, he was killing Germany so bad that they decided they they were going to take their chances with anybody else. We'll take our chances with Mikhail. I mean, think about how how crazy um intimidating his game was when Germany literally either um you know trapped the screen and roll or loaded up on him. And you got Jalen Brunson and Mikhail Bridges on the opposite side. You know, that's nuts. Um and 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 what did Anthony Edwards do? He attacked him early. 
transition. You know, got uh, Jaron Jackson got the rebound, handed off to Anthony Edwards. He comes down the court and. Germany's defense is loaded up against him and he gives him a little hezzy and stops and pulls up for three and ties the game. But that was early shot clock attack, right? Then in the dagger possession, the turnaround fadeaway that everybody's talking about, you know, he, he gets the outlet pass. He brings the ball up the court. He makes sure that nobody comes to set a screen for him. He widens out the floor. He backs his man down and goes early offense. That's MJ stuff. That's Kobe stuff. That's understanding that I don't want to bring two people over here. I don't want to give the other team a chance to load up on me. And the, you know, the development in this game is where that would always be a three or a drive into traffic. Now he's taking advantage of that space and backing people down. You know, Dennis Schroeder is a pretty doggone good defender. And uh, Anthony Edwards made him look like he was pedestrian on a couple of occasions, taking him down to the block, you know? And so, so yeah, Steve Kerr is create, creating a monster. Um, and then he doubled down on it with his statement to the media. And now, you know, it's on Anthony Edwards to take that and, and be the guy every day. Cause now Steve Kerr can hold him accountable. If there's an off practice, he can hold him accountable. If there's an off game, cause you the guy, so you can't go, go out there and play bad. You can miss shots, but you can't play bad. That means you got to miss good shots, you know, and that means you got to do the other things. And again, that's going to make Chris Finch's life a hell of a lot easier. Um, And that's coaching. And that's why Steve Kerr (laughs) has four NBA championships as a coach, you know, um, because he knows how to coach stars. He's had a team full of them in Golden State, you know, and he's played with a bunch of them. So yeah, man, that, that's from the coach's perspective. That, that is a beautiful thing to see for Anthony Edwards. On the flip side, uh, I also want to talk a little bit about Carl Anthony Towns. Um, he'll be, he's been showing up. He, he has, uh, cat's gonna be cat. Cat is a walking volatile 24 and 10. I've been saying it all along. People, people are, oh, cat soft, cats this, cats that. Cat is a walking 24 and 10 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. at the end of the day. And, you know, we got this thing going on and, and coaches, we're not allowed to look at everything in black and white. We have to, we understand our players weaknesses. We understand their strengths. You know, fans can be like, oh, trade cat. We're never going to get anywhere as long as cat's on the team. He's immature. He's volatile. He doesn't have self-awareness. And, and I'm critical of cat as well. And I get that. But, you know, most times everything is not all one thing. Right. And we're so polarized. Everything is, is, is polarized right now in our society. You're either left or you're right. You're either all good or you're all evil. Right. You know, like there's no, there's no in betweens. Like, and I think people lose sight of the fact that Cat has always been a walking twenty four and ten, and you just don't find walking twenty fours and ten at Walmart. <laughs> you know, you don't, you don't. That, that is not that you. That's twenty four and ten is not at the wholesale discount club. You know, and we have to start recognizing that, yeah, Cat got his flaws, but if you trade Cat, who are you going to get to replace 
cat that doesn't turn Anthony Edwards into James Harden stylistically. You know what I mean? And um, Kyle Anthony Towns is a phenomenal offensive basketball player. He he just really is, and he and you know he's got a coach right now with the Dominican Republic that is uh it, it's it's um I think he's so giddy <laughs> he's so happy that Kyle Anthony Towns is playing. Uh, for his national team and cat got carte blanche to do whatever he carte blanche to do whatever he wants. Cat can shoot whatever shot he wants. He can, he's just free willing and dealing, you know, and, and I think that's good for cat in one hand, but at the same time, he's also that guy that you just, you can't give too much freedom to because then he'll do stuff like get ejected, <laughs> you know, like he did in the last game, arguing with the ref. About, uh, you know, his first technical foul doing the cat bear hug box out that, you know, in eight years of professional basketball, you get called for the bear hug box out at least once a game. And I don't know why you're still surprised because in no basketball clinic ever anywhere does somebody teach you how to box out by turning and facing the guy and wrapping your arms around him and bear hugging him. <laughs> you know, like, why are you surprised that that's a foul? You know, but also mentioned on Twitter at the same time in the NBA, if you don't turn around and bear hug a guy and then they just shove you in the back while you go up for the rebound. And if it's Nikola Jokic, the ref don't call a foul. So how are you supposed to box out Nikola Jokic if you can't bear hug him? But then at the same time, you also can't form box out because if you form box out, he just shoves you out of bounds like he did Rudy Gobert in game five and the ref swallows the whistle. So I don't know what the answer is. But I do know, Cat, you can't be surprised when you get that foul called on you. Bro. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, at the end of the day, like, they've been calling a foul for eight years. It's a foul. This, uh, this past postseason, I'm like, bro, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, but when he's not doing that, he's draining threes from all over the damn floor. When he's not draining threes, he's going to the hole and getting buckets and causing fouls and making free throws. And, you know, he scored 20 points in 19 minutes. Right. You know, so um I think in a lot of ways, the players for the Wolves that are playing internationally right now are getting exactly what they need for their mental state coming into the NBA season. Anthony Edwards cannot be in a better situation out there with Steve Kerr and that amazing coaching staff that they have on the U.S. men's national team. Um and being with those players, many of them are his peers or a little bit younger than him even, you know, or uh came into the league around the same time as him or maybe a year ahead of him. And he is showing that I'm one of the best one-on-one players in the world. And basketball at the end of the day is still very much about machismo. And look, I got a dude that I challenge right now at 50 years old that I've been challenging him for three years for a thousand dollar game of one on one and he won't play me. <laughs> we still identify ourselves as, but can you whoop my ass? <laughs> you know? So, so, uh, Anthony Edwards is, is letting it be known right now that can you whoop? ass <laughs> right 
And uh, and so he's getting exactly what he needs mentally. Cat is getting exactly what he needs. Cat needs to be showered with adoration. He needs a um a unrestricted green light to just let it fly without the responsibility of feeling like I have to um carry the weight of a franchise on my shoulders. He looks like he's just having fun except for with the officials, which I don't know if that's ever going to change. I don't know if you'll ever see Cat having fun with officials, but he's his own worst enemy in that regard. But he seems to be having fun playing for them. And, you know, the highlight going around and him turning down the screen that got iced and then crossing over and pulling up from about 27 feet and burying burying a three with a hand in his face. Um, You know, he's just walking into threes in transition, which you're going to see in trail transition, which you're going to see a lot of that. Hopefully with the wolves, um, though is the distance that he's shooting it from. Uh, if you got to go out and guard him that far out on the floor and he gets a step, that's going to open up lobs to Rudy all day because there's just so much space. Um, when you have to go that far out on the floor and guard him. Um, and so he's getting, I think a lot of what he needs. Um, you know, Kyle Anderson is out there playing with the China team. And I think it's good for Kyle Anderson to be in a position where he's carrying a team, um, because that's not his normal NBA role. And so I think that's probably a lot of fun for him, especially a team without really any expectations, but he gets to kind of be the star and that's always fun. Um, and you know, and Rudy Gobert loves playing for France's national team. He just gets to kind of physically overwhelm people in the international game. Uh, the refs don't call the game as tight, which is, you know, I think for him, you know, he loves the fact that he gets to kind of throw his size and weight around and he's always relished playing for France. And so he's kind of in his element. And as long as he stays healthy, I think that's good for him. And so you got these guys. Oh, and the kill Alexander Walker's doing it for Canada. I mean, you know, playing a major role, um, making step back threes and, and, and pull up threes and, and rebounding the ball really well. Um, and playing with a lot of NBA stars, you know, on that Canada team, team Canada, don't sleep on them. I know cat in the Dominican Republic beat them, but, um, there is a lot of NBA talent on that Canada team and premier talent. I mean, uh, 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 SGA is kind of their, their top dog. He's the ant of their particular team. So for, uh, for Naw, for Nikhil Alexander Walker to be, to be, um, uh, you know, playing really well. For that team is good for him and for his confidence. So, you know, all of these guys, I think, are in situations that is really, really good for them. Um, and meanwhile, hopefully Chris Finch is just in the lab, man, just in the lab, you know, uh, concocting ways to utilize all of that, you know, and so, so yeah, but of course the story is, is Anthony Edwards and, I, I wish people would lay to rest this, you know, we got to trade cat and build around ant crap. Um, people who say that I've never talked to someone who actually has coached basketball that say we got to trade cat and build around ant. That's, you know, stuff that fans say it reminds me of Terrence Crawford talking about, you know, his fight against Earl Spence and, and he's going on to saying that, you know, everybody's saying that he's too strong for me or who's too big for me, but how do you know? You're just regurgitating what other people say, but you don't even know me to know how strong I am, you know, and that's kind of how I feel about the Timberwolves and this need to trade. This team is built around Ant. 
Cat's game is tailor-made for a player like Ant because Cat spreads the floor so much and draws so much gravity. When you have a dominant guard like that, you need a rim-protecting center like Rudy Gobert. Now, whether Cat and Rudy can coexist, that's on Chris Finch to figure out. I obviously still think they can. I think they showed in the Denver series that they can. But the way the team is constructed, everybody that is on the floor benefits Anthony Edwards. And so I don't know how you can build a team around a guy much more than having a former all-star at point guard, an all-NBA player at power forward, an all-NBA player at center, and a draft classmate who's a defensive savant prodigy um, who's his age, who's a draft classmate um, as his wingman on the wing. Like, I, How do you build a team around somebody better than that? And this whole idea, well, Cat's got to understand that it's Ant's team. I said it once and I'll say it again. I don't think Cat gives a rat's ass about the public perception of whose team it is. When you're making $250 million and you've had a career of uh organizational turmoil and and volatility the way Cat has, all you want to do is win. All you want to do is win. And Ant's always going to take more shots than Cat. And when you have a high-volume player like Ant, you need a high-efficiency player like Cat as your second guy. You need that because Cat's going to get you 24 points on 17 shots. Ant might get you 30 points on 23 shots, 24 shots, 25 shots, you know. And so that you need that balance. Again, this is how a coach looks at it. Coach doesn't look at it like this can't work or how are we going to defend, yada, yada. A coach looks at it like give me my talent and let me maximize my talent and let's figure out our winning style. Let's figure out our winning style and then let's see how teams adjust to us when we are clicking on all cylinders with this talent that we have. And you got four all-stars in your starting lineup. True. And another one, a fifth player that many people believe has an all-star ceiling. So as a coach, you don't look at that and go, this can't work. You look at that and go, when we get this working, we're going to be a problem. You know? And so um, that's, you know, I, I hope Timberwolves fans well, one, I hope they're healthy. I just hope they're healthy because if they're healthy, it's going to work. You got 82 games to figure it out. It's going to work. Last year, they just didn't have enough games together to figure it out. Mm-hmm. This year, they got a whole offseason, a full training camp, and a roster that's set. So, you know, it's going to work if they stay healthy because with that amount of talent, I'm a big Chris Finch fan, but if it doesn't work, he probably don't deserve the job. You know, and I'm a, I'm, you've heard me say it many times. I'm a big Chris Finch fan. So, you know, everybody's doing a podcast this week today. You know, actually most of them, I've listened to three of them today and every podcast is all about Anthony Edwards and his performance and the NBA reaction 
to the to the performance. Kevin Garnett tweeting, LeBron James tweeting, you know, Steve Kerr's comments were eye opening to a lot of people. Um, but to me, they were coaching. To me, they were closed circuit and Edwards. You're the guy, but you got to be the guy every moment of every day consistently because you are playing with a team full of stars and future all-stars. And you have made it very clear. You have left no doubt. You have put your stamp of approval on, I'm the baddest mofo in the gym. (laughs) But you can't just be that against Germany on a Sunday morning. You have to be that every practice, every drill, every uh, competitive exercise. And then every time we step on the floor. And it's also closed circuit to the rest of the teams in the world. Because if you actually have to game plan as an international team around Anthony Edwards, boy, that's causing you a whole lot of problems because that team is loaded. So if you're like, well, we can't let Ant go for 35 on us, so we're going to have to trap him or double him or do something to take the ball out of his hands because if he see the ball go in the basket two times in a row, he's a flamethrower. Now, you know, you're leaving. And in part, what happened was once Steve Kerr went to that lineup with Austin Reeves and, and Therese Halliburton, who was knocking down shots, it created a lot of space for Anthony Edwards to do his one-on-one thing. So pick your poison. Do you want these professional snipers knocking down shots all over the place? Or do you want Anthony Edwards handing you your lunch every time down court? Come down the stretch of games. Uh, I do not envy the rest of the world's teams that have to deal with that dude because it's not like you can say this is our lockdown defender. We're going to put him on Ant and take him away. There's nobody in the world that can defend that man one-on-one right now. And it's going to be that way for years to come. And Steve Kerr is going to be there when he's in his late 70s when Anthony Edwards is inducted into the Hall of Fame on his first ballot. You heard it here first. I Hopefully we all stay healthy and live long enough and climate change, global warming, hurricanes, earthquakes, and floods don't take us all out before we get a chance to see it happen. <laughs> Fires and shit. You know, the aliens right now. No <laughs> Donald Trump, right? Oh, we lost a bunch of listeners. <laughs> you know, hopefully the worst of the worst doesn't happen so we can all kick back and enjoy the ride. But as much as that game, what Steve Kerr said as a coach after the game, um, I think is yet another one of those seminal moments, just like uh, Anthony Edwards talked about when Steve Kerr told him in that pre-draft camp. You ain't working hard enough if you want to get where you say you want to get to. Uh, to in this league. So, you know, coach talk centered around what happened this weekend. Hopefully we brought a different perspective to the conversation than all the other podcasts uh, have brought to it, even though we're all talking about the same thing. Um, I know Chris Finch is smiling like a Cheshire kitty because right now nobody in the world can stop cat, but cat, nobody in the world can stop ant period. Shea Gillis Alexander, I mean, I'm sorry, Nikhil Alexander Walker, the cousins. I get the cousins confused, man. I get the cousins confused. Nikhil Alexander Walker is uh, looking like he really wants to lock down um, a spot in the rotation 
Um, following up on his playoff stretch, Rudy is being Rudy with Team France. Slomo is, you know, getting a chance to kind of be the alpha dog on the team. And, uh, as long as these guys all walk out of the world championships healthy, all of a sudden the NBA going to look real stupid for only having the Wolves on national TV, not named NBA TV five times. So, uh, yeah. People are look ants keep ants, look the wolves are finding a way to stay relevant in the off season and Anthony Edwards just went a long way toward keeping the wolves in the NBA conversation. It has to be just great for their confidence, all of it. Yeah, yeah, and and you know and and they're all in coaching environments that are good for them. Um, for what I feel like each one of those players needs. Um, I think all of them are in the coaching environment that's going to foster a lot of confidence for them coming into the league. Not that those guys, I think any of the guys that we mentioned ever lack in any confidence, but I just think that they're in situations that will put them in good mental states as they come into training camp after the world championships. And, you know, as a coach, you want your players to be the best version of themselves and you can't be the best version of yourself if you're not mentally fit. And I just feel like uh, all of these guys are in situations that is great for their mentality. So I, I, you know, that's, that's huge. Even as a role player, you, you have to, a role player that's not in the world league right now, you know, that's in the States training right now, they got to be looking at this. Let's go. Man, you know, Jaden's, the Nazis. I mean, you know, the fact that, you know, when the Timberwolves did their Jersey unveiling, uh, last week, uh, or weekend before last, you know, um, the fact that you got your starting point guard and Nas Reed, you know, representing and, you know, showing up on the boat, you know, um, whenever you're big, whenever any of your big men and your starting point guard are hanging out, that's always a good thing. There, there's never a bad thing when you got one of your big men and your point guard hanging out because those relationships are so important. Um, and so, yeah, like, you know, I feel like the Timberwolves, are having a really, really, really good off season and they need it because last season I feel like was just a grind. Um, and so, yeah. So I think that, uh, the team is in a good place. I feel like, um, you know, Chris Finch has got to be feeling really positive, you know, um, and just, you know, prayers and fingers crossed that everybody comes into camp healthy so that you don't have any setbacks as you, you know, build off this momentum. That's all you're hoping for as a coach. Everybody come in healthy, uh, physically because you, you got to assume mentally everybody's in a good shape. And if the U.S. goes ahead and wins this gold medal and Anthony Edwards keeps being the guy as he's basically challenged now in the media by Steve Kerr. Um, I know people won't see it that way, but as a coach, that's how I see it. You know, when you make that statement publicly, that's the challenge to be consistently the guy. Because if you are consistently the guy, what you just showed is nobody in the world can beat us if you are consistently the guy. And so if they go ahead and win the gold medal um, and everybody comes back healthy, um, you know, that's a really good omen, a really good position for the Timberwolves to be in. Thanks. So that that'll do it. Uh, for the Coach in the Culture podcast, you know, we had to sneak one in along with everybody else. This will probably be the shortest editing job ever for you, Coop. So uh, 
Uh, I look forward to, uh, you know, getting the feedback from you guys out there on Twitter at Coach Crooner. Still, we're working on it. Uh, under our original moniker. So it's at Coach Crooner on Twitter, but it is the Coach in the Culture podcast. You can also uh, catch us on Facebook, the Coach in the Culture on Facebook. You can leave us a, a message there, but would love feedback. Please hit us up. Let us know if you feel like this conversation was a little bit different than most of the conversations that were had surrounding Anthony Edwards' performance in the Wolves internationally. Um, I know some of the stuff is going to be repetitive, but uh, hopefully we brought a little bit different angle coming from it from the mind of a coach and how us coaches uh, look at things. So thank you for listening. Uh, we'll catch you guys in about a week. We got Onika Craven on deck uh she's out of town so we wanted her this pod but uh i'm glad it worked out this way uh but she is committed so whole the next pod will be when she gets back in town and the links will be just winding down their season so the next pod is going to be dedicated to talking about the minnesota links will they make the playoffs um and and if they do what type of impact might they have and much like the rudy trade was designed around making sure that anthony edwards grows through the playoffs, you know, the links are being led by, you know, basically Nafisa Collier in her third year because she missed all the last year for the most part with her pregnancy and two rookies in their starting lineup. It's a very young team making the playoffs would be huge for them. And they are going through the growing pains of inconsistency like a young team does, just like Ant and Jaden being 21 and 22 last year. And the Wolves were really inconsistent. The links are really inconsistent, but these games are invaluable for their experience going forward. So we'll be talking about that with Onika Craven uh, on our next pod. Thank you all for listening. Uh, Super producer, appreciate you taking the time. You're tuned in to the Coach in the Culture podcast. We'll catch you on in about a week to 10 days. Peace.